since that's what we're all about here. Yeah. <laughs> Good to go. Good afternoon slash evening, Marin. How are you? Pretty good, Alicia. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm in a different time zone than you, so that's kind of fun. So it's yes. a lot later. So why don't we start with a little just life update since a lot has changed since the last time we did this many months ago. Yes, back in February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've now finished school. We both Yay. graduated and did all that good stuff and... Now I'm on the far side of the country from you. Yes, I officially graduated, which is great, even though I finished in December. And I'm working and then going back to school in September for a post-grad certificate. Whoa, I'm also going back to school. Crazy. That is super crazy. What are you going back to school for, Marin? I'm going to law school. Wow. What? What a time. (laughs) So much fun. And where are you going to law school? Even farther away. Well, farther away from where I currently am. Closer to you, actually. <laughs> Closer to me, yeah, that's true. Cheaper for me to get to. But... Yeah, so exciting so times fun. for both of us. And yeah. today we're going to be talking about some also more exciting things. Drug policy. Everyone thinks Yay. that's exciting, right? <gasps> Absolutely. But what specifically are we talking about? Well... Here in Canada, we have this fun thing called marijuana legalization and decriminalization that's happening next year. So Bill C-45, an act respecting cannabis and to amend the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act, the Criminal Code, and other acts. Wow, doesn't that just sound fun? (laughs) So basically, on Canada Day next year, you are going to be able to not get arrested for having some marijuana on your body and growing a little bit in your house and variety of other marijuana activities. And that's what we're going to talk about, the, both the decriminalization part and the accompanying legalization. So what are your initial thoughts on this, Alicia? I have a lot of thoughts, I think. Um, let's see if I can say them so that they make sense. It's interesting because I remember talking about this in our 12th grade law class because we were talking about the different drugs and what, I guess, they meant in terms of, like I guess, the legal system. So Obviously, there are drugs that were like, oh, yeah, that's, like, horrible. Don't do heroin. You're going to go to jail or die, probably. (laughs) But then I remember, like, the teacher saying, you know, if you pass a joint to your friend, literally just passing the joint over, that's considered drug trafficking, and you can go to jail for a year. I'm just like, what? It's literally a joint. And then my initial thought was, well, maybe it wasn't my initial thought because I was in 12th grade, and maybe I didn't think like this. But my thought now, at least is our prisons are way too full and to put somebody in jail for passing a joint is the worst use of tax dollars I've ever heard of. Yeah, and not just like, like putting somebody in jail, like you also have to like go through the whole court system, which is yeah, just and a huge months. on our very busy, overwhelmed court system. Like this is a great use of everyone's time and money. I mean, it could have been the whole this is like your maximum penalty because I was reading about it and for a schedule 2, which cannabis so to speak is is maximum a thousand dollar fine for the first offense and or a maximum six months term of imprisonment increasing to a maximum of two thousand dollars for each subsequent offense and or a maximum one year of prison if you're trafficking you have for a schedule two drug you have the ability to have life imprisonment and not get regularly arrested for drug trafficking for passing a joint to their like friend 
But no, it, oh, but the life imprisonment that has to be over a certain amount. Yeah, still, even if the actual charge is pretty small, spending such a long time in court and wasting so much of the court's time, just like why is this a good use of our justice system? So, yeah. a big part of this whole change is the decriminalization part, which I think is a great idea because I think removing the criminal aspect of this is helpful in freeing up court time and in reducing the number of people that we end up with criminal records when they're young or, you know, 21, do something dumb. Like, those are not the kind of people that we need to have criminal records on forever for, like, sharing a joint with their friend. That's not a reasonable thing. Not helpful. Not helping anybody. Just puts them into a cycle of, you know, you miss the next court date and you're back in court again for just doing that. There's so many reasons that this is not helping. Also, there's been a lot of evidence showing that it just is used as an excuse for police to stop people that they think look sketchy, Mm. which are often racialized people or people in, like, sketchy neighborhoods as in poor, underprivileged people who, you know, don't need to be stopped by the police. Police are just using it as a reason to catch these people out on whatever they want, just because they can say, oh, we were not, we were just looking because we thought maybe there was some suspect of drugs around here, some marijuana involved, even if there's no real evidence of that. Like, you don't need to have a lot to be able to stop somebody on the street for speculating there might be marijuana involved. You can just say there was some erratic behavior. The one thing I didn't know is that people, like cops, are are they actually allowed to stop you and say, check your bag? Because I was under the impression they couldn't do that. If they have reasonable suspicion to think that you had marijuana on you or whatever, huh. then they can. Wow. And the grounds to prove reasonable suspicion are pretty low. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's frustrating. It's interesting because you sent me a website, anyoneschild.org, and the one of the points they make is like the threat of a criminal record won't deter young people from using drugs, but it may deter them from seeking medical attention. And young people are most at risk for being, and then that becomes like a criminal record would become like this barrier to employment, housing, education, travel, financial services, etc. And that just puts people in this like perpetual cycle again. And you're stuck in it forever because you no longer can get this job that you want or you can't get the financial need that you want to go to school to get this job that you want or whatever it is, whatever your dreams look like. And then you're stuck in this more impoverished situation and your escape might be weed or something else or alcohol, whatever it looks like. And if you raise children in that or and it just keeps going on and on and it's it's very hard to get out of. And it's very, like, looked down upon, too. Um, so it's hard to find people to support you. I don't know. Maybe that was a rant off the side. But that's what no, I thought definitely, of. Definitely, yeah. There's a lot of, like, that negative feedback cycle just, you know, keeps going downwards when the support systems aren't there and that kind of thing. I think on the topic of decriminalization itself, there's a lot of fear that it will just encourage use and encourage more young people to try it. But I think this is when looking at something like the evidence of, like, Portugal can give a bit of an idea of how that's not necessarily or even reasonably likely the outcome that will happen. They went for all drugs, all hard drugs. They decriminalized Mm -hmm. them all. They didn't legalize them all, but they decriminalized them all because they had a huge drug problem in the 90s. So in 2001, they decriminalized it all. And then drug use had it increased a little bit at first, just continuing the upward trend that had already been on. But around 2007, sort of decreasing and continued to decrease amongst both young people and adults, like all adults mm-hmm. counted over the age of 15. But it decreased for all adults and particularly for the under 25 group and obviously removed a lot of the weight on the court system because it was no longer right. 
a criminal thing, like people who are um, found in possession of amount of drug rather than being a court issue. They are put in front of a little panel of like a social worker and a doctor or something, and they're kind of helped to treat their addictions or treat their problem. And if it's and if it's an addiction, they're offered treatment, and they're required to seek treatment in certain cases. So it's not like it's a treated mm. as a criminal issue, it's treated as a health issue. And in fact, it was moved from the Justice Department to the Ministry of Health, which I think is like a very helpful mm. move. Yeah, that's really good. It very much, oh, so much is a health issue because people in my, from what I've seen, more often than not, um, those who like use drugs are using it as a crutch. And it's hard to say, like, it's hard, it's very hard to be like putting marijuana and putting like cocaine on the same level. Um, because I personally don't put, want to put them on the same level, but if you are like, it could become the same kind of danger, but it's some sort like it's a vice of some sort like you're trying to escape something in my and I feel like generally that's, that's kind of for two, everything two main uses like you're either doing it to like seek pleasure or something or using it to like dull pain yeah you're consciously using it but it's also the addiction part of it is very much a health issue and it's very much like a yes. lot of it's often tied to mental health or it's actively the mental health issue is addiction itself both of yeah. which are health areas not criminal areas not that we're good at handling mental health in our criminal justice system in any way so whatever <laughs> yeah but that's true i mean i think part of it is along with the decriminalization especially like it's not so much of a big deal for marijuana because marijuana is not like a huge hard addictive drug that we have like a huge crisis around people overdosing on like that would be something if we were going to decriminalize um something like you know the various opioids that are involved in the opioid crisis right now should mm-hmm. we decriminalize that, there would be a very strong and necessary need for an increase in the health services and the social services to go along with that, which we need to be putting money into anyway, because this is obviously very a crisis that we right need now. to be confronting. But putting the money into it along with the decriminalization, I think, kind of gives both prongs. So you have people willing to seek the help and having the help there and not waiting down the court system and not it being like a big thing with a big stigma around it, like being able to go and seek support and talk to your family and talk to doctors and that kind of thing is super important. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I've always, I've been around people um, who have been, I guess, close to me, gone through the whole like major addiction cycle and stuff. And so I've always been like this proponent, I guess, of more decriminalization versus legalization, just because I think full on legalization isn't always a wise choice because you sit there and have like, tobacco which is legal but it's literally killing people but you also have alcohol which is a like it's basically it's also a drug and it causes so many addictions and so many deaths and um impaired driving and there's just so many other issues attached to it but like because we've had it legal for so long i don't think you can make it illegal and there's wise ways of using it um but i don't think there's wise ways of like using heroin or cocaine or meth or Yeah, I think with, like, very hard drugs, if there was legalization, it would very much have to be paired with a very strong educational campaign around the risks and around, you know, causing people to not want to be involved. But I do think we need to face the reality that people are using these and they are dying often from the fact that it's not legal, not regulated, they don't know what they're getting, they can't safely get the things that they need, we don't have... You know, there's a lot of chemical alternatives for people to help them treat these kind of addictions, but we don't have easy access to those kind of things because it's such a stigma and these people end up homeless, not be able to afford the kind of support they need because they're reliant on this drug and we don't confront that as a society. And I think legalization could help with that. Or do you think decriminalization could help with that? 
Yes, I think that would be a very important first step because at least with decriminalization, people would be willing to seek help more without the fear of a criminal record. Right. But I don't think it would help on having the regulatory system in place so that people were not getting dangerously cut drugs. Right, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense because there's that aspect of it, of knowing where where it comes from. and. Um, but yeah, I think we should also probably talk about the Christian perspective on this specifically, since mm-hmm. it's what we're all about here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Throwing you under the bus. <laughs> well, I have thoughts on it. Luckily, um, so I, I think a lot of it's pretty similar to what I've already been saying. Like, obviously, I already am a Christian, so the things I say are often my perspective as a Christian. But generally, I think the Bible is fairly clear that extreme intoxicants and those kind of things are just not good choices for living a Christ-centered life where we're able to make conscious and healthy choices for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So being under intoxication is not a wise choice. And I think it's also been pretty well shown through evidence that hard drugs are pretty dangerous and a good way to (laughs) not treat your body in a healthy way that's going to prolong and positively have positive outcomes on your life. But I think that we need to have our drug policy generally not focused around the moralistic beliefs of our religions and based rather around how we can promote the greatest human decency and the greatest showing, showing empathy, showing care for other people. Like those are kind of key tenets of the Bible, loving your brother and sister and recognizing that humanity is all of God's children and therefore all of our brothers and sisters that we should be loving as equals and as people we are trying to care for as we strive for a Christ-like life. And therefore our judicial system should kind of be based around that concept of human decency and love. And I think in the case of drug policy, that comes down to harm reduction and harm reduction policies are a robust healthcare system to catch people that are falling into this area, solid education system, access to resources, funding for those kind of things, Mm -hmm. as well as being able to effectively use our criminal system. And I think that from what we've currently seen in countries that have tried to do this and in comparison to North America, which is having a huge drug crisis, the current systems are clearly not effectively serving the needs of human decency and we need to rethink them. And it seems like decriminalization is likely to be the most effective tool that we could use at the moment to promote harm reduction practices and reduce harm for people. Solid answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I can agree with that. Um, Definitely that we're, I don't, like, I don't believe we're called to be drunk or um, be under an influence, um, like states that many times, like do not get drunk on wine and that you can relate being do not get drunk on wine to like impairment, if you will. Um, so whether that's drug impairment, alcohol impairment, um, but it, like you said, the, it's not going to stop people from doing drugs if that was our laws to be like, don't do this. Cause clearly people are still doing this and we clearly did that. Say no to drugs. It doesn't work. All saying no. And and I think you said it, I don't know if you said it now or if you said it the other day, but you mentioned something about how it makes it really hard for people to almost become Christians or like understand what Christianity means when they're just like following these legalistic rules because the state tells them to. And then all of a sudden, and it's very hard to like create this real relationship with a God who put certain things in place for a reason and 
the understanding isn't there or the reason I guess the reason why and the heart behind it isn't there yeah like the idea that having our Christian moral system be the state state rules kind of removes the personal choice aspect of the religion like yeah. if you're just following the laws of the state and coincidentally also following following the various Christian morals you're not actually actively choosing to be a Christian and following the Christian morals in that way so I don't think we as Christians should be fighting to have every moral tenant that we <laughs> find in the Bible to be enshrined in the legal system. Yeah, no, that was a good point that stuck out when we chatted about this earlier. <laughs> One thing that you mentioned when we were talking about this yesterday was um, the kind of the balance between when we do have things legalized, how we can talk about them with our kids or with other people, like without making it seem like we're encouraging it when we legalize something. Like we don't want it to be like heroin is legal, which means we think it's a good idea to use it. Like making the differentiation between that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think we can relate it. Like you said, we get sex ed education, but we're not telling all the kids to go and be as promiscuous as possible. We're telling them how to safely or like safely make their decisions um, in that kind of area of their life and it can be the same with drugs if it because it's not an illegal thing to do whereas drugs currently is so literally teachers or people who are older than us elders parents are like ingrained to tell us like you cannot do this and it's not going to like make kids feel um comfortable coming to their parents or coming to the older person in their life and be like this is what i've done what do i do now like there's no like i guess safety net to fall onto there's no second chance in this in that way or d- might not feel like there is i remember reading a little i don't know if it was an article or something it came up on my facebook news feed or whatnot and it was this parent's idea of like if you're ever in a situation at a party or wherever and you need like a way out if there's like something uncomfortable there or if there's drugs if there's just you don't want to be there and you don't want to be like embarrassed in front of your friends we have this text code and you just text one letter and we'll come and get you no questions asked but we'll call you and say there's in this emergency or you have to come home right now and so it doesn't look like it's on the kid but to create a space like that for families to feel comfortable in talking about it even if like in the league when it's an illegal thing right now um i think is important and as it becomes legalized and maybe we'll see all of these drugs become legalized in our time probably let's be real it would probably happen maybe you don't think we'll see what happens okay. it's hard to really judge like where we're moving as a society yeah. because yeah i don't know you think that we're moving in one direction and then somebody like donald trump gets elected and you're like oh maybe we're not moving that direction <laughs> actually yeah now i'm thinking about it it's hard to say because we're going one way but i'm like realistically in our next election or two we're gonna go backwards a few steps because people are really mad right now um, <laughs> but yeah I think learning how to talk to people whether at, if you're a mentor to kids who are younger than you or if you are a parent or if you are like a sibling or whatever it is to learn how to be that person that somebody can come to and um, feel safe to say words like say things that they've done and i don't know i think the the sex ed analogy is interesting or important because i think it comes back again to the idea of like i'm a christian and i think drugs are bad and therefore they should be illegal is like the same (laughs) thing with like if you're like i'm a christian i think extramarital sex is bad and therefore it should be illegal like no we don't do that that doesn't make sense we wouldn't try to make these things illegal because that would not help 
Like, that would not be useful, and that would not be a good way to actually promote this kind of idea that we're putting forward around sexual education, or around sex. So why are we trying to do that with drugs? Like, why do we try to do it with anything? Why do we say, I think these are bad? Even if it's proven scientifically to be a not a good idea, like with hard drugs, that's not a great thing. Anyone, everyone can pretty much agree on that. <laughs> but it doesn't mean we need to be making it illegal when that's, especially when that's showing that it's not helping. Yeah. So I think in conclusion, we can say that we pretty much agree that decriminalization probably helpful and almost definitely not going to result in a huge brand increase of people going all crazy with drugs. And specifically on the marijuana, that one's a little bit less easy to maybe create like a fear message around it and therefore people are already using it and probably that will continue because it isn't horrifically dangerous like heroin. Yeah. But I think it's much more going to have to be, you know, individuals can educate their children as needed. Mm -hmm. And we should be educating our children on marijuana since it's pretty prevalent even now, like especially <laughs> now. And the fact that we just ignore that is not really helping anybody. Yeah. Well, so. even like I still hear radio commercials about like talk to your kids about drugs and the dangers of them. And like, of course, there are a lot of dangers, but you're, I mean, you can do the fear imposing if you want to, but it doesn't always work. And especially around marijuana, people are gen. Well, I would hope you're in like a safe space if you're using it. My thing is the impaired driving aspect of it because that is going to be very difficult to monitor. But at least, you know, once it's in place and we are expecting that people might be driving under the influence of marijuana, we will be able to have saliva tests to look for that, as opposed yeah. to right now when police officers do not carry saliva tests to check for marijuana drivers, people driving under the influence of marijuana, and probably people are. Also, nobody really knows right now, because we don't talk about it publicly, what happens when you smoke marijuana and how that affects your driving. No one knows how much they can smoke and still be able to drive safely. Like, for alcohol, we have clearly set out limits that we're like, you can go on the internet and look up. How much alcohol am I allowed to have had to drink before I drive in Canada? Mm -hmm. Right now, there's no, no there's no clear rules around marijuana, whereas when it's legalized, that kind of information will be out there. That's true. So then people who are, you know, smoking marijuana for the first time can be like, oh, I shouldn't drive because I had over the legal limit, and I know that's dangerous. Whereas right now, no one knows. Like, there's no conversation about that. Yeah. Yeah. An interesting so. topic, for sure. <laughs> it definitely will have to be paired with a lot of education. Yes. And if we decriminalize to further drugs that are more dangerous paired with a lot of health-related support systems. Like, you know, we can't just say, we're going to decriminalize stuff and not also bring in the social security net that needs to go with that. Mm -hmm. That's more of a different conversation for general drug decriminalization. For marijuana itself, probably less of a big deal. You think of all the money we'd save from the courts and you can put that all into the asp uh, health aspect. All into the healthcare system and the mental health system. What a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's all we have to say. I'm sure we would probably say a whole lot more, but I feel like 20 minutes is enough time to talk somebody's ear off. Yep, yeah, we're going to keep with our super consistent format that we've used in all two of our previous episodes. We better stick with <laughs> yes. this. How did we end it again? Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Oh, we said our names. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Marin. And I'm Alicia. And this is AM Radio. Yep, that's awkward. <laughs>